This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I've been practicing for over 25 years. And last year I decided to extend the walls of my practice to those who might already be in therapy and be very interested in their own growth and understanding how different problems might affect them from the past or the present, but also to those who might never walk in a therapist's door. This is not a therapy session per se, but hopefully listening to me, you'll be able to determine what it might be like to be in therapeutic treatment. We talk here about all kinds of things, so if this particular podcast doesn't float your boat, then all you have to do is wait for the next one. Today, we're going to be talking about bipolar disorder. Last week's podcast with Jennifer Marshall was one where she talked openly about her own bipolar disorder and her journey through This Is My Brave. So I decided it would be really great to talk about bipolar disorder, what it is and what it isn't. This episode is sponsored by Audible.com, and a bit later, I'll describe a free trial offer that's available to you. Now, before we start talking about bipolar disorder, I have some great news. Thank you so much to those of you who've left actual reviews and ratings. Three of you took the time and the effort to write actual reviews and gave me some great information about who listens and why you listen. One listener said she'd been into therapy, and she said all that the therapists did were trying to be nice, trying to look fair, but in the end, they did not help us improve our relationship because they never got to any issues. I think I'm done going to any more therapists near me unless I find someone like Dr. Margaret Well, thank you, but she likes my directness, and that's good for me to hear. Another says it's inspirational, and she said she had trouble finding my Facebook group link, and I do have that later in the podcast. And then the third, she said, I'm a young therapist and have plenty of my own issues as well. I love this podcast. I've learned so much and implemented them in my own session and in my own life. Short, sweet, and helpful. That gives me so much information. So thank you to you three for leaving, one, such kind reviews, but also giving me the information that I need on perhaps what I need to cover and what is helpful to you to hear. So back to bipolar disorder. What do you think of when you hear the word bipolar? We're going to look at misconceptions because there are a lot of very productive and creative people who've been identified or perhaps diagnosed as bipolar, and you may not even know it. We're going to go into a bit of the distinction between what's called bipolar 1 and bipolar 2, not too much, however. We're going to talk about the differences between the two, and then we'll identify some movies that are really good depictions of bipolar disorder because any mental illness can either be treated well or not. And bipolar disorder, because sometimes it's hard to diagnose, is one of those most commonly a problem. Then our email from a listener today is from someone who's been doing online therapy, but she has some very serious issues, and she's asking me if online therapy is enough for her. So we're going to be talking about bipolar disorder today, and I hope you'll stay and listen. When I say the word bipolar, what comes to your mind? 
Some of you may imagine someone like Robin Williams, whose intense energy and rapid brilliance was so much a part of his public persona. His suicide has sparked much discussion of bipolar disorder, although that did not seem to be the reason, quote-unquote, for his death. There were other things going on with him that had to do with his neurocognitive function. Others may think of someone like Winston Churchill. If you're too young, you might not know who Winston Churchill is, but he was the Prime Minister of England during World War II. He was a much darker, more depressive character and called his swings into depression the Black Dog and then channeled what many believe was hypomania or sort of extra energy into long, endless hours of work throughout the day and the night. But there are many other celebrities who've come forward. Carrie Fisher, who sadly died fairly recently, Mariah Carey, Demi Lovato, just to name a few. And I personally appreciate these celebrities doing just that. You may love someone or have a friend or a neighbor whose moods vary from quite euphoric and highly energized to dark and despondent. Or you might have bipolar yourself and know quite intimately how the rise and fall of mood can complicate your own life and confuse others who are trying to love you. To travel within hours or days or weeks from the desire to be engaged with others and the life of the party to being overwhelmed by a need to closet yourself off can feel very out of control and frightening. Like most mental illnesses, however, bipolar disorder doesn't look the same in everyone, and you may not recognize it, but you probably know someone who has it. Let me give you some examples of people that I've seen and just the facts about their life, all who have had bipolar or some form of bipolar. There was Peter, who was a highly achieving, well-respected college professor who came in because he hadn't slept in four days, which was a pattern that he was beginning to recognize and actually had been a part of his life for years. There was Marjorie, a 20-something architectural student who was having a hard time reining in her thoughts, but she also couldn't find the energy to take a shower or care for herself. She had lots of anxiety. And then there was Stan, an elementary school principal who was at work by 5 o'clock in the morning, was there for everyone and anyone who wanted some of his time. Yet, he'd have secret thoughts of hurting himself and he was fighting the urge to drive off the highway. All had some form of bipolar disorder. Could you tell from the facts alone? Not really. Sometimes the diagnosis is clear. Sometimes not so clear. For example, Peter could have easily been diagnosed with insomnia. Marjorie, with simple depression. And Stan, of course, didn't look at all like he had a problem and might fit into what I call perfectly hidden depression. Or at least someone might miss that there was something going on with him psychologically. So our stigma is built on ignorance or not knowing. I wrote a post for the Huffington Post a long time ago that said, you know, bipolar is different from someone who's just darn unpleasant. You'll hear people say, oh, he's just so bipolar. And it's kind of a slam, although unintentional, I think, to people who actually have the illness. Now, if you've been diagnosed with bipolar, you might have been relieved by hearing that word bipolar. It's given you a structure to understand kind of the chaotic mood swings that you experience. And it's given you a plan. There are medications that are very helpful for bipolar. And there are other kinds of awareness exercises that can really help someone begin to define the triggers that might set them into a hypomanic. Again, hypomania is having 
a little bit too much energy and mania is having way too much energy. Of course, a diagnosis of bipolar disorder may also make you afraid of what others will think as there somehow seems to be more stigma surrounding bipolar disorder than depression or other mental illnesses. I'm not sure why. It's probably ignorance. And it's the fact that calling someone bipolar has come to mean less than, or again, as I was saying a few minutes ago, a slur on their character. Now, as I've said a couple of times, there can be problems with an accurate diagnosis. Bipolar disorder can be obvious or not. For example... I'll use my own life once again. (laughs) You may have been able to tell by now that my energy level stays fairly high. And a psychiatrist I saw many years ago was convinced that I had bipolar disorder. He put me on a bit of lithium, which is a mood-stabilizing medication, which I stayed on for about three days. I've not had three days quite like that again. I was way over-medicated and mismedicated. It was not only clear lithium wasn't the drug for me, but I didn't have bipolar disorder. My mind had never raced uncontrollably, and I'd always been a great sleeper. Poor sleep is one of the huge indicators of bipolar disorder, and that can start in childhood. The earlier depression that I'd experienced had been triggered by a particular situation in my life, rather than being tied to some inner cycle of mood that I struggled to control. Bipolar disorder wasn't my issue. Seeing a lousy psychiatrist was. My problem was anxiety, and he missed it. Luckily, later, someone else did not. Before we start talking about the differences between bipolar 1 or the diagnoses of bipolar 1 and bipolar 2, I want to talk for a minute about the free trial offer by audible.com. I've had several people come to me wanting to advertise either on my website or on this podcast, and I've always turned everyone down. But when Audible got in touch with me, I decided that this was a win-win, not only for Audible, but for you and for a charity of mine that I hold dear to my heart. For you see, if you sign up for a one-month free trial from audible.com, and I'll give you that link here in a second, then you get a free audiobook, and I'll give whatever money I get from that to St. Jude's Hospital, which is a cancer hospital for children in Memphis, Tennessee, who provides all care for the family and the patient free. The book I'd like to suggest to you today that is about bipolar disorder is An Unquiet Mind, which is a classic book by Kay Jamison. But you can pick any book you want. And then, of course, if you don't want to keep the free trial, you can just unsubscribe. The link is www.audibletrial.com slash selfwork. Or you can do https colon slash slash audibletrial.com slash selfwork. I'll have that link in the show notes. So back to talking about bipolar disorder. I'm not going to go through the list of diagnostic criteria. I think that'd probably be somewhat boring to listen to. But there is a big distinction between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. Bipolar 1 is a disorder where you see very intense mood swings. And these mood swings can be rapid, literally meaning that they can go up and down in an hour or two period of time. It can be days. That's for several days you're very up, way too up, and you're doing impulsive things like spending too much money or self-destructive, self-debilitating behaviors like driving too fast or being promiscuous. And then you can dive down into despondency and 
that looks more like literally not being able to get out of bed, certainly not being able to go to work, even having suicidal ideation. So bipolar one are serious and severe mood swings that aren't triggered by real situations in your life. In bipolar two, however, the swings are not as intense. They are not as dramatic. And when you feel happier, it's called hypomania, meaning that you have extra energy, but usually you can channel that energy, but you're hyped up, agitated. And also anxiety usually goes with bipolar two. And then you have your downtimes where there's still anxiety, but the hypomania is gone and you actually are fatigued and very unhappy for no rational reason. As you can imagine, bipolar 2 is the disorder that's a little harder to catch because bipolar 2 can look like so many other things. Also, borderline personality disorder is often confused with bipolar disorder because there are intense mood swings within that as well. Now, if you're living with bipolar disorder and you're managing it pretty well, you know that you can be productive and creative if you channel your energies carefully and that your sadder moods will not last forever. The man I mentioned before, Stan, said at one point, the most important thing for me to do now that I know that I have bipolar disorder is wait. Wait if I have a new idea, a strong emotional reaction, or an impulse. Wait until the next day and see if I feel the same way. If I do, fine. If I don't, I haven't created a problem for myself. You can also begin to look for triggers for either your mood zooming up or zooming down. Things like going on a trip where your sleep cycle will be disturbed or going through an anniversary of a death or a loss. Anything that will upset what for you can be a more unsteady balance between okay and not okay, stable or unstable. At times, it's far from easy. It often takes medications called mood stabilizers to help, and there's some kinds of meds that can actually make it worse. So a doctor may give one of those meds if the correct diagnosis isn't made. Deciding to seek help and treatment can be vital. Make sure the person you seek has experience with diagnosing bipolar disorder. Now, there are also some ways that you can educate yourself about bipolar if you know someone with it or trying to have a relationship with someone with bipolar disorder. Four of the most recent that have come out, one was called The Ghost and the Whale, which is a very honest look at bipolar and psychosis, because especially with bipolar one, you can actually have a psychotic episode if you get really, really manic. Another is Touched with Fire, which is a story of two people trying to love each other, and they both have bipolar disorder. Then there's Repentance, which was a violent drama about mental illness, specifically bipolar disorder, not going well. And probably the most popular was Silver Linings Playbook. It deals with the problems that bipolar disorder can cause when you're trying to have a relationship. I had a case years ago, and I'll never forget it because it's never happened again. A woman came in, probably in her late 30s, early 40s. She had four children, and she was a physician's wife. She came in, obviously, manic. She talked very fast. Her mood was highly elated. She hadn't slept in maybe a week or two. Her thoughts were racing. She could barely sit on the sofa without nervous movement. And then she described days where she couldn't get out of bed or care for her four children. In this case, it was easy to determine what it was 
but she wanted her husband in on the next session. So he came in, and I began talking about medication. Now, again, remember, this guy's a physician. I saw her looking at him somewhat uneasily as I was talking, and all of a sudden, he looked at me, and he said, he called me Dr. Rutherford, which I'm not sure why, but he did. Dr. Rutherford, I don't want her to go on medication. I don't think it's necessary. And I looked at him and I said, so what's your plan? And he said, I need her the way she is. When she's up, she takes care of everything for me. And I couldn't do what I do without that. I'll put up with the days of despondency in order to have her like this. Well, I looked at her. She looked like someone had hit her with a bat. Because you have to understand she was miserable. Not being a mom... And she loved this guy, but her life was filled with ups and downs that she could not control, or she felt like she couldn't control. After a few somewhat awkward moments of trying to talk about what were other possibilities, he said, I think we've had enough, and left. I'll never forget her. I would see her out in the community. They've now moved. But I would see her out in the community, and I would be able to tell where she was in her manic cycle when I saw her. It was just so sad. I had tried to share information with them and give them knowledge about bipolar and the fact that she could still function very well, but not be manic. During those episodes, she would also spend a lot of money. And in the session, I remember now that he said, I make a lot of money, so I don't care if she spends a lot of money. It was just this nonchalance about her own emotional instability and the way that might make her feel that I found so disheartening. So I hope this knowledge can help people. You can learn how to not be manic and not count on that extra energy and still be productive. The architectural student that I mentioned at the very beginning, when she recognized she had bipolar 2 disorder and she started taking medication, she came in one time and said, I didn't realize I'm having to learn all over again how to study, how to focus. But she did it. And she was much more in control of her own moods. Knowledge is powerful. And if you love someone or know someone with bipolar disorder, you can offer compassion and empathy. You can learn what they're dealing with on a daily basis. And if you have bipolar disorder, you can offer that same compassion to yourself. The email from a listener today is someone who has some very serious psychological problems and has been avoiding them for a long time and was hoping that online therapy would help. Hi, Dr. Margaret. I'm 22 and from a small town in New York. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now and have written an email and deleted it several times. So I decided it was finally time to just hit send, and I'm terrified to do so. I have a very hard time with talking about feelings and things I've been through, but I'm beginning to notice that lately the downhill spiral is coming a little too fast for comfort. For as long as I can remember, I've always struggled with what I would call anxiety, depression, and fairly consistent suicidal thoughts. You can see why I'm so concerned about this listener. Though I've been mostly fairly good at hiding all the signs, it's getting harder to do so. I would say that my drinking habits have increased substantially, And the amount that I care about what happens to me has decreased. 
So for me, I took a big step and reached out to an online therapist, thinking it would be easier for me to talk about everything. And it has been, I guess, but nothing's changed. My therapist is strongly recommending that I go to a psychiatrist and to consider medications. I'm not against the idea, but I physically and mentally just shut down when people ask about all of this. I say only what I think they want to hear so that I can avoid talking honestly about how much being gone sounds like a relief. I know I need to do something to change this path because recently I'm engaging in more risk-taking behaviors. I'm personally curious about you would suggest the next step is for someone in my situation. And then she thanks me. This young girl is seriously struggling and her problems are much more about anxiety and depression. They're serious, severe mental issues. Hello, I'm so glad you've reached out. First, it sounds as if there are definitely things happening that are trying to get your attention. You may have heard in another podcast that between the ages of 18 and 25, when many mental illnesses emerge at their most severe. Risk-taking behaviors means you're having trouble with your impulses. Things are going downhill faster than you'd like. What you term fairly consistent suicidal thoughts are not normal. Your gut is talking to you, telling you that things are getting too hard to handle without more help. Since you've listened to my podcasts, you know I'm quite concerned about how people disregard the pressures they feel Sometimes, tragically so. You could have several different diagnoses. I'm not sure which one. But I want to talk about what it would be like to go into therapy one-on-one. When you say that you tell people what they want to hear, please recognize that a good therapist wants to hear your truth so they can actually help. Whenever I have a patient make progress and they thank me, I turn it around. I can only work with what people reveal. The one person you have opened up to, your online therapist, sounds highly concerned. Friends can sometimes not understand or not be people that know what to do with emotional issues. Please don't let that stop you from seeking help. If you're uncomfortable with emotions or since you say you are, you may actually have been attracted to friends that wouldn't ask too much. It sounds as if a more hands-on therapist, someone who's looking you in the eyes and offering good suggestions is a must right now. Many people struggle to talk openly, and it can take a few sessions to gain trust in your therapist. It can go slowly. That's perfectly normal. You don't have to blurt out everything at once. The online solution was a good start, but medication may be needed. In fact, it sounds like it is needed, and you might be more comfortable going to a family doctor, not a psychiatrist, someone who's already treated you for colds and things. If he or she is uncomfortable and feels you need a psychiatrist, they can refer you. Maybe that would make it easier for you. The doctor may also know a good therapist, someone they've worked with in the past. If you have trauma in your life you've never talked about, a therapist who's certified in EMDR could well be the answer. You found the strength to reach out to me. Please use that same energy, that same hope that your life could feel better than it does to move you even more forward. You're more than worth fighting for. You're 22. Sounds as if life hasn't been easy thus far. But I've watched hundreds of people over the years learn how to detach from their pasts and create a present that they enjoy. If self-work can offer hope, then please take it and treat your symptoms seriously. If you resonate at all with this young woman's story, please consider getting therapy yourself I talked about in a recent podcast that suicide is unpredictable 
and people can believe that they can handle those thoughts, but they can get away from you. So please seek help. Thanks so much for listening today to Self Work. I hope that it's been helpful and you've been educated some about bipolar disorder. You can email me and I do answer those emails and love to hear from you at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. I talked about a new Facebook group that I have and that link is HTTPS colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. HTTPS colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. It's a closed group, so only the members can see comments, and I post two to four times a week. We have about 230 or 40 members right now. Some are much more vocal than others, but I'd love to have you join us. My website is drmargaretrutherford.com, and I publish a blog post there weekly, And if you subscribe, you'll get my newsletter, which includes both my weekly podcast and my weekly blog post. Plus, you get a free ebook, Seven Commandments of Good Therapy, that I wrote a couple of years ago. Again, thank you for leaving ratings and reviews. And please, more of you do so. I would be so grateful. And subscribe here. I'm up to almost 5,000 subscribers. Again, that change will go way down and then some up. And that's just thrilling to me to realize that there are thousands of you who are interested in what self-work is going to be about next week. So thanks again for listening. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and you've been listening to Self-Work.